I'd like to uh, read a passage of scripture out of a Bible that belonged to Joe. This is an interesting Bible because it's the Jerusalem Bible and it has artwork in it by Salvador Dali. And so I want to read from it. Feel free afterwards to look at this because it's quite an amazing book. And uh, I'm going to read a text from the book of Galatians uh, just for a moment. And then I'm stepping down from here. This is Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. As for me, the only thing I can boast about is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. Lord God, please help me to reflect with others on this amazing man. For Jesus' sake, amen. If you knew Joe, and you ever studied his art, you discovered that he was obsessed with certain things. What was Joe obsessed with? Well, there's an example, and there's an example. Joe was obsessed with crosses. He really was. If you look at his art, his art reflects several themes, one of which is crosses. They're everywhere, woven here, woven there. Another thing he was obsessed with was stories from the Bible. And his story, the stories from the Bible captured his imagination as when, for example, he took two of his grandsons as Cain and Abel killing each other. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Barbara. So you look there, and you've got Alex, and you've got Nick. And I ate with this family so many times. Part of it was because I had a breakdown and had to be hospitalized. And their dad, Tony, took me under his wings. And so I ate so many times in the Hannah Apolucci home. If I saw the cat and the hat woman one time, I'll probably see her the rest of my life. And so anyhow, she was, of course, naked. And that's how Joe painted people until he came to Louisiana, where people don't like naked people. I don't know. But anyhow, so when he asked to paint me, I just said, not naked. But anyhow... Joe's art was just amazing because it was filled with themes. Joe was extremely well-read. He was a historian, and his themes reflected his picture of history. And that is, he was a deeply, deeply, deeply cynical man because he served in the Korean conflict, the first undeclared war that America fought. And he saw how it was fought. And it distressed him and disturbed him deeply. You know, the thing you have to remember when you're dealing with veterans, particularly when people have killed other people, post-traumatic stress syndrome isn't generally rooted in what's been done to you. 
It's the ghosts that haunt you from what you've done to others. Things you don't want to talk about. Things you don't want to face. But that cynicism of Joe was reflected in his paintings. Here and there. Particularly his paintings of Civil War. Amazing knowledge. I enjoyed my dinners with Joe probably more than anybody I've ever eaten with. I always looked forward to him because Joe enjoyed repartee. In fact, he had the nickname, the stinger, the scorpion, because <laughs> he always had a zinger. But you know, Joe really liked me, I think because I laughed at his jokes and I guffawed loudly at his table when he told about his pranks. Like the time that he went, and I wrote about this on Facebook, he's traveling. Joe could look in your eyes and see into your soul. He had an uncanny ability to figure out just who you are and to see right through you, to know who you are, to know what you liked, what you didn't like, what you were afraid of, and your guilt. He could see your guilt, believe it or not. He's an amazing man. Joe should have been a psychiatrist rather than his son-in-law, Tony. <laughs> and I'm sure that if Joe had thought of a prank to play on someone, he would have said, well, I'm a psychiatrist. Like the time he was on the plane. And he was sitting next to a woman, and people ask each other, you know, well, what do, what do you do for a living? And he always thought of something, and he figured her out in a moment. Well, I'm a plastic surgeon. And she says, really? Yes. And she says, well, what about my face? And Joe, because he had earned the right, by fraud, to touch her face, admired her face and said, well, now, if you were my patient, I believe that I would do this and I'd do this and do that. She was enthralled. I won't go on with Joe's stories. But every time he told a story, even if he had told it before, I love to hear him say those stories again and again and again because they were so blooming funny. He was a hilarious man. Joe was obsessed with history. He could always match wits with me. I like history. He liked history, and I got his jokes, and he got mine. And he loved telling jokes that his Syrian-born son-in-law didn't get because of contemporary English, maybe in the 50s or the 60s. And he would, it would just go over poor Tony's head. But he loved that kind of stuff. That's who Joe was. Now, I'm going to do something today that I would not do if Joe were alive. I'm going to reveal the meaning of the painting. Because I think the meaning of the painting says a great deal about Joe. First of all, Joe saw people the way they really are. On the surface, I'm a gregarious, outgoing, glad-handing fellow. But deep down inside, he saw the real Bob. A brooding, Pensive person. He saw the real me. I had a friend who saw this. That doesn't look anything like you. Well, that would have been the greatest insult to Joe Apolucci. Oh, it looks just like Bob. But if you look at the symbolism, you see things here that he drew from life. The thing I think you see here 
is he puts me inside the cross. That's a very remarkable thing. I'm not outside the cross looking in. I'm inside the cross. And if you look at the things, it sort of reminds me of a gift I received after I'd completed 25 years here. And that is this replica of Martin Luther's wedding ring, which has, and if no one will steal it, I'll leave it up here. And if Joe were here, he'd say, well, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing that, Bob. You know these people. Because Joe was deeply cynical about religion. Deeply, deeply cynical about religion. He saw most people as crooks. In one way or another. And so in his cynicism, I think he was drawn to me. Because I share similar, similar, similar cynicism. As a student of history. There's never been a war where it was fully just. He knew that. There's never been a government that was completely honest. He knew that. But if you see something that he saw, he put me in the cross and all the things related to my life. For example, here's a piece of bread and a fish. Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes. And you see over here a crown of thorns that's being suspended. And from the crown of thorns... Blood is dripping, and it's dripping into a chalice. And in the chalice is the wafer, the Eucharist, and also the cup with blood. Because Jesus said of the cup, this cup is my blood of the new covenant. And then you see other things. You see a sword. You see a hammer. You see nails. You see another cross. Because crosses are all over the place here. And all of that is about the meaning of life for him, because this is about Job. And you see something else here. You see a sort of a cloud, but on top of the clouds you see what look like flames. That's the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, when the Lord Jesus baptized the people of God with the Holy Spirit. So you have the crown of thorns, you have Holy Communion, and you have something else. These amazing little bubbles. What in the world are they? I think it was when Joe went to McDonald's and watched kids play. No, no, no. <laughs> That's water. The waters of baptism connect us with the Holy Spirit. They symbolize the Holy Spirit. And then there's this other odd thing here. It's obviously a planetarium with planets, and I think that points to something. He and I shared a broad interest in every area of knowledge. I've never found anything that didn't fascinate me, and he knew that. And we would talk about this and talk about that. Joe was interested in the whole of life, but I want to come back to Joe again. Joe was a man who despised religious people because he saw them all as crooks. He despised the chaplains in Korea. Unfortunately, he never had a chaplain like my philosophy professor who had been a chaplain who told the men the truth. Yes, you're going to have to face God for what you're doing here. 
You see, because what most people didn't know, and none of us knew until a little over a year ago, when the Holy Spirit visited his house on an evening. And in that visitation, Joe finally faced what had haunted him since Korea. All of the men, all of the women, and all of the children he had killed. And they had haunted him. They'd stalked him down the corridors of time. And they haunted him, and they kept him from sleeping soundly, and they left him a very cynical man. But Joe, on an evening, when the Spirit of God moved in that house, finally took off that mask of cynicism, and he faced himself. Because facing yourself is the key to mental health. We're afraid to look inside because we know there's something staring back at us that scares the hell out of us. Because we know, each of us knows, deep inside, we all have things that we're deeply ashamed of. I know I am. We all know there are things we're deeply ashamed of that were they placed on that camera or the one that was focused up here, we would be humiliated. There isn't a person in this room who wouldn't walk out ashamed were the secret things revealed. But what I want to tell you is this. Joe faced himself. He faced that. He sobbed. He wept. The reason that Joe was so often engaged in historical and scientific banter over all these other things with these amazing verbal jabs is because he was keeping that mask on. Strikingly handsome man, amazingly physically fit man, a brilliant man with a superb memory, but he faced himself. And that's why I can say to you now, I celebrate Joe's second life because Joe faced his demons. Joe's, Joe faced those children he killed in Korea, those men, those women, and finally took responsibility for his own actions. So I close with this and we'll sing a song. Where is it with you? This amazing man that could see right through you. This amazing man that knew life and understood it. The amazing man that could see every politician for what he really is. A narcissistic man. Most corrupt. If Joe painted you, how would he paint you? Wow. Joe painted me inside the cross. And that's my only hope. My only hope is that I'm hidden in that cross. May we pray. Lord, I thank you for the life of Joe Apolucci, this amazing man, this man that I enjoyed eating supper with over and over again, this amazing man. Lord, his brilliance, his creativity, there was hardly anything Joe couldn't do. Growing up as a very poor Polish-Italian man in Philadelphia in a bad neighborhood,
how he rose. He was a very driven man. He loved his family. He loved his wife, Eileen. He loved his three daughters. Lord, each one, Carol and Barbara and Roseanne, and he loved all of his grandchildren and his little great-grandchildren, child. Lord, he was a loving man that hid beneath a mask of gruffness, always dapper, always dressed to the nines, always clean and tidy. Lord, I thank you that one day, a little over a year ago, you stripped him of everything and you made him face himself. And in facing himself, he faced you and he made his peace with God and man. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus' sake. Amen.